Amen. Thank you. Thank you, um, Judith and Paul. It's great. Um, the kids are away. Bless them, Lord. Anybody want to move into the middle here? Because Lucy's just going to have to face David the whole time if somebody else doesn't move in here. <laughs> Lucy, I maybe said, oh no, then your back would be to these guys. Um, look at that. People did it. Can't believe it. Um, it's a real, uh, real delight to have Lucy with us this morning. Um, come on ahead, Lucy. I don't want you to stand loitering there awkwardly. Um, so... As you know, from the start of the year, we've been really trying to discover um, rhythms of prayer, really trying to prioritize um, prayer in the life of the church. And so we've created space on our Sunday nights with um, this building next door is almost ready. Um, carpet put in yesterday. Beautiful armchairs to come and rest in the presence of the Lord. We've done our prayer walk, prayer walk, talk, pray over the last five weeks. And it's great just to put feet on this in the community as people walked around praying. That was just wonderful to do that this week. Um, we've been really trying. It's been really hard to get Lucy. We've been trying this for such a long time. <laughs> so, so good. Honestly, so good. Not just uh, not just because she's national director of 24-7 Prayer Ireland. She's uh, not here because of her title. She's here because of what uh, she carries. And uh, so I'll let her introduce herself. But I just want to say it's an honor, privilege to have you, Lucy. And um, I'd love to pray for you. And, and for us as we listen. Father, thank you, for, um, thank you for what we've sang. Thank you for what we've declared in our worship. And God, I just pray that you would continue to um, open our hearts and minds, God, to what you would want to say to us. Thank you for Lucy. Thank you for Ross. Thank you for our family. Thank you for our kids. Thank you for Ruby with us today. Um, and thank you for what you're, you've called them to. Thank you for their obedient response to the call that you've placed on them. Um, in Dublin, in the south, and, and this island. And, uh, and so we pray that you would bless her and use her today. Um, thank you for her in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much. But yeah, they're very, they are quite bright. I feel they're quite bright. Um, good morning, everybody. It is really lovely to be with you. As Neil said, I've been trying to, trying to get a, a date to get, to get to be with you guys. And Lovely to get to be here as you as you get this prayer space ready. Um, as Neil said, I am work for twenty four seven prayer in Ireland, so I just I get the privilege of kind of cheering the church on as they discover prayer and doing our best to kind of help and support in that. Um, right across the different streams and expressions of church across the country. So, um, you know, I I, I get to see people who. Um, are you know have been doing prayer rooms for years and and love them and know how to do them and get people see people discovering them in in more traditional settings and and that's really exciting as well. I grew up down the road in Belfast, um, but I've lived over twenty years of my life in Dublin. I'm married to Ross. My husband is from Dublin, and we have three girls. Um, so I, I'm I'm up and down that road an awful lot these days. But it's nice to venture out your direction today as well. Um, Yes, I, the, uh, the, it's, I feel like it's a very grandiose title to be uh, to be called the National Director for Prayer. Um, and so the danger is, of course, when that's your title, that people assume that you've, you've really got prayer cracked, you've got it figured out. Um, and I'd say that couldn't be further from the truth. In fact, 
if anything, all I, the more I learn about prayer, the more I learn what a mystery it is. Um, and, uh, and probably if we're, if we're being really honest, we probably all have a bit of a complicated relationship with prayer, don't we? You know, do I pray enough? How do I pray? You know, and, and then we feel guilty. Are we praying in the right way? And let's be honest, it can also be a bit boring at times. It can feel a bit mundane. Um, does it even matter if we pray? Does it work? Um, and so perhaps, you know, and perhaps you find yourself so need drawn to prayer when things aren't working out in your life and uh, not quite sure what to do the rest of the time. Um, my mum tells me that my relationship with prayer started around the age of seven. And uh, I'd woken up one morning and had, of course, decided I would a day off school, I think. So I told her I was feeling unwell. And as most mothers do, reluctantly, she sent me back to bed. Um, and she tells me that a couple of hours later, she came into the room to find me singing and dancing around the room. And she said, I thought you were supposed to be sick. And I said, and I thought you believed in the power of prayer. Um, Apparently so. <laughs> but um, uh, joking aside, I think in all my years as a follower of Jesus, I have found myself in the position of both, you know, fervently believing in the power of prayers and also at times being utterly disappointed by the pain of unanswered prayer and questioning whether it makes any difference in our lives at all. But I am convinced that it is a central part of what it means to follow Jesus, to live into a life of prayer. And so this morning, I just really wanted to share a couple of things that I've learned about prayer along my journey that have helped me. Um, it's nothing particularly new. I always think, what, what new is there to say about prayer? But um, just a reminder of God's invitation to us to spend time with him, whatever it is that's going on in our lives. And the first thing I think really simply is that God meets us in the ordinary moments of our everyday life. There's a, a poem by Mary Oliver and she says, sometimes I only need to stand wherever I am to be blessed. And um, when I look back at my kind of journey with prayer when I was a lot younger, uh, back in the day when 24-7, 24-7 prayer is 25 years old next year. And uh, and it started with a bunch of young people who got excited about prayer. And, um, and I was one of those as a teenager kind of caught up in that movement of prayer and I did things that I'm not sure I would commit to these days like getting up four or five mornings a week to go to 6 a.m prayer meetings um, and um, but you know in those days often my prayers were centered on very big asks of God you know I wanted to change the world and I still believe that God you know answers really big audacious prayers but sometimes in believing for big things in prayer things that really matter, but sometimes in my life I've missed that God's actually interested in the ordinary, everyday moments of my life. And I think I've had to discover this when I really felt like I had nothing very exciting to do or to bring to God. Um, I'd say this became particularly true for me when I had small kids. And, you know, I was tired and frazzled. Um, and, and your days are mundane and sometimes boring. And your world is quite small and... I definitely couldn't find the time to pray and I wasn't getting up at 6 a.m. to pray, but I was getting up at 6 a.m. for other reasons. And I, you know, and I, I didn't even have much to say always for myself except, you know, oh God, please, could we have some more sleep around here? And so the guilt creeps in. Um, and I, I really had to learn in those moments that prayer was about being in God's presence and noticing God's presence with me in the everyday. 
and learning to pay attention to see that God is in those ordinary moments of our life and that if all it meant was that for a couple of minutes each day I could say help me to see you today God that there's goodness and there's blessing in this season even if it's hard and mundane and let's be honest you know how often do we find ourselves feeling like that and I think sometimes in looking for God in the big we miss him in the small and when I look at Jesus and how he interacted with people he was engaged in everyday life his first miracle was at a wedding you know and nowadays in a situation like that where the wine runs out we might say first world problems but how extraordinary that God would display his power that way and at an outdoor gathering he hosted a very large picnic he fed the crowd at a very basic need and because it tells us that he had compassion on them he cared about the immediate needs that were right in front of him and when I think about another character in the biblical um, story I think of Moses in Exodus and we think of Moses he's one of those people don't we that we think of with a big story but actually the most significant day in Moses's life was just another day at the office for Moses it was the same old day same old routine it was the same sheep it was the same desert it was the same thing that he would have done every day do you ever get those deja vu moments in your life I think mine is walking kids to school you know it's the same houses the same streets the same trees sometimes if I really want to depress myself I calculate how many times I'll have walked it by the time they finish you know by the time I don't have to do it anymore and there's something about that you know that feeling of the every day and Moses was standing on the very same ground he stood on every single day probably passing the same bushes that he passed every single day because if we were walking down the street and we saw a burning bush we would notice but a burning bush in the desert was a dime a dozen but this bush on that particular day was different it wasn't burning up but he had to look closely enough to see it that something different was happening and it tells us in in Exodus it said when the Lord saw he had gone to look God called to him Moses turned to look and paid attention and it tells us that God noticed and so God interrupts Moses through this ordinary moment in his day but he stopped long enough to notice that God was in it and that moment was of course the beginning of his whole life being turned upside down and he wasn't at a conference and he wasn't in a prayer meeting and he wasn't even on church on a Sunday but he was going about his usual day in the most ordinary way an ordinary object for Moses became extraordinary because it was on fire with God and he was paying attention to where he was standing I love this quote from Barbara Brown Taylor she says while I am looking for something large and bright and unmistakably holy God slips something small and apparently negligible into my pocket how many other treasures have I walked right by because they did not meet my standards at least one of the day's lessons is about learning to let go of my big ideas about God so that my eyes are open to the God who is the poem says sometimes I only need to stand wherever I am to be blessed and prayer is simply an invitation to pay attention to where God is in the ordinary moments 
of our lives. The second thing I think I've discovered with prayer is that it's an invitation from God to center our busy, often fractured lives in him and find rest. You see, when we think about prayer, we often think it's about what we offer to God on behalf of others, and it is. But I think if prayer is only about the things that need to be fixed or all the things that are wrong in our world, and we've missed the primary invitation in prayer, which is to be with God. And I think back to the very beginning of the Bible. The very beginning, it tells us that God walked in the garden, in the cool of the day, with Adam and Eve. In a perfect world, God sought out time at the end of the day to pay attention to their lives and to be with them. I don't know what they talked about, but I know that this was prayer in, an all, in a perfect world where they didn't need to ask God to do anything or fix anything. He still sought out time with Adam and Eve. It was a gift to them, I think, to feed their souls and center their lives their every day on the one who had created them. And so very simply, do we make time to do this with God in our lives? Do we really think God's interested in spending some time with us? And if you're like me, I imagine that life is really busy. Sometimes I feel like post-COVID, we've gone like crazier than ever. How many times did we say during COVID, we'll never go back, we'll never be as busy as we were before. And I feel like maybe we've gone the opposite. And time is like, feels like a, our greatest commodity. Our lives are so full. And I think what happens is prayer becomes another thing on our to-do list. And I sometimes wonder if we approach prayer the way we approach the rest of our lives as we do a to-do list, how can I make this productive? What's the most efficient way to do this? And it centers prayer on the outcome rather than the process that we're entering into. And I love that throughout scripture, the Bible invites us to experience rest what if prayer is what we need for that pause to center our lives on something that will feed our souls and not demand something of us what if prayer is a restorative practice psalm 46 says be still and know that i am god psalm 23 says he makes me lie down by quiet waters he restores my soul a strange response to the challenges ahead in the rest of that psalm, a valley of shadow of death, a table in the presence of our enemies. And God says, lie down for a wee while and get some rest. And Isaiah 30, it says, in returning and rest is your salvation. Rest can save us. And of course, in Matthew 11, Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And Jesus wasn't just talking about physical tiredness, although I think God cares very much about our physical states, but a weariness of heart and soul. And when I think of the culture that the Bible was written in, it was very different to our culture. And yet even then, the writers of the scriptures understood the importance of rest. There were weary souls that needed rest. And I wonder have you discovered prayer to be an invitation for your weary soul to find rest? In prayer, God wants to meet us and offer us what we need. And what if in prayer we encounter God's heart towards us? And it's this that re-centers us. 
There's so much that goes on in our lives, doesn't it, that tells us stories about who we are and what we should be and what our lives should look like. And we need those moments where we recenter our lives on the story that Jesus is telling. Our busy, stressful lives get centered on the reality of a God who loves us, who cares about us and wants to meet us where we really are. And isn't asking us to do more and to be busier, but to be still and know that he is God. And there's something very freeing about that in understanding that in prayer. In the last year, I've really discovered the gift of silence. And I never thought I'd say that. I used to be one of those people who hated the idea of being in silence. <laughs> but there's been something about a place of stillness where I've discovered that I am not God. And I discover more of who God is and what he can do. And I think that's helped me so much more in my own prayer life. And perhaps it's my age um, or that I crave a quiet life. I don't think it's just because I'm busy or that I've got children. I actually think the world is so noisy, isn't it? There's so much information out there. There's so many opinions. There's so much that, to take in at all times that we, you know, we hold those devices in our hands and it's like we... At the noise that comes to us and the challenge is to quiet and still our minds enough to know not what I think but what God might think and how he is asking me to pray and the world is overwhelming these days I find it so overwhelming what's happening in our world and the older I get the less I know how to pray for the hard things that I see happening not just in the big, but even in the small, in our local communities, in the places that we find ourselves, life is hard and it can be overwhelming. And I used to think that prayer looked like me coming up with the solution and then telling God what he needed to do with it. And uh, I love that Neil mentioned Palm Sunday at the start of our worship. Um, and it's that whole story is this perfect example of the mismatched expectations of the people versus who Jesus really was. Um, and they hadn't yet seen him as he really was. The expectation was the king who was riding in to save them in military might and force, and Jesus was telling a different story. And sometimes our prayer lives can look a bit like that. We have these expectations that haven't been shaped by who Jesus is, by the way of Jesus. And it's in the quieting and the stillness and the silence that we get to be reminded who God is. And also, I think sometimes the act of prayer is holding the weight of the world, these heavy things, quietly before God. This movement of carrying everything ourselves and handing it to the God who holds all things and who in him all things hold together. Max Lucado says, our prayers may be awkward, our attempts may be feeble, but since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it, and not in the one who says it. Our prayers do make a difference. And we offer to God whatever we have, whatever we're holding, and trust him to move in power. And so I just wonder if we could give up the idea that prayer was just another thing on our to-do list, but to receive God's invitation to us to find rest, to find peace, and to sit still long enough to encounter a God who loves us, would it change how we feel about prayer? And the last thing that I have really experienced is that God invites us to bring our whole selves to prayer. 
And often prayer is the path that leads us back to discovering hope. Perhaps one of the hardest places and aspects of prayer is when we are sitting in some pain or confusion or disappointment around unanswered prayer. And I will be really honest with you, I don't always understand it. Why some prayers seem to get answered and sometimes others don't. I'm not sure we ever will fully until we get to talk to Jesus about it. But if we're honest, it can often be one of the main reasons that we stop wanting to pray or we put it on the long finger. And I would say the time in my life when I learned the most about prayer was when I least wanted to do it. I had certainly experienced praying for things in my life and that those things weren't answered. But until I'd experienced that sort of heart-wrenching, utter disappointment of something that I had been hoping and praying for and that not being fulfilled, until that day I hadn't really experienced the pain of unanswered prayer. And I would say it's most often in the face of grief and loss or just things not working out the way we thought they should, that we often lose hope in prayer and in a God that we can pray to. And in a season of, of grief in my life, in the weeks and months, if I'm honest, that followed, I found myself asking, where were you, God? Why did you let this happen? And in my most rational moments, I can, could conclude that, of course, terrible and painful things happen every day. And why would I expect you know, to be immune from that. But in the months that followed, I really did find myself saying, God, why did you let this happen to me? And in my grief and my pain and my disappointment, I honestly started to think maybe it would be easier not to pray because then I won't be disappointed. And I didn't know what I could trust God for. And I remember sitting with a friend, telling her that I didn't want to pray anymore. And she said, that's okay. But that, you know, that's where you're at right now. But if you could say something to God, what would you say to him? And I thought about it and I said, well, I tell him that I'm heartbroken and I tell him that I don't know what to do with that. And I tell him that I'm tired and I'm disappointed and I'm angry with him. And I'd say that there was no good reason for what happened happening. And I, and I tell him that I don't know if I can trust him. And she said, why don't you just say that? What if that's your prayer? And I realized that I was ever going to find my way back to God, to hope, and to knowing that he was someone that I could trust with my prayers, I needed to be completely honest with God. And that's the invitation that I see in the Bible, that the language of the Psalms, they hold joy and hope, but they also set despair and fear and disappointment and even anger into the open, and they voice them as prayers. Psalm 56, it says this, Record my misery, list my tears on your scroll. Are they not in your record? And the late Eugene Peterson, he tells us that the psalmists do not look on something suffering as something slightly embarrassing that must be hushed up or locked up in a closet. Suffering is set squarely, openly, passionately before God. It is acknowledged and expressed. It is described and lived. And I had to learn that prayer invites us to come as we are and encounter a God who, who welcomes us exactly where we are and meets us, whatever emotion we're holding. I think one of the things and the joys of 24-7 I've discovered is that prayer is not prescriptive. 
not to tell us exactly how we should pray, but to discover that we can pray in every season of life. And it might look a bit different depending on what's going on, but we can encounter God and he welcomes our emotions. He can handle what's going on in our lives. And he doesn't ask us to take the parts that seem less holy or spiritual and you know, somehow not full of enough faith. And it took a lot of time, but I did find myself find a way back to hope. Because um, isn't that really what prayer is? It's hoping against all hope that there is a God in heaven who is hearing us when we pray and who's moved to act, to respond to us. And anybody who has experienced grief or loss or some kind of pain in their life, we all know you don't get to hope by bypassing the pain. It'd be nice if we could, but it doesn't work that way. And peace doesn't come by pretending that our lives are okay, that they're not hard. And it can be a bit messy sometimes, but I think without it, we miss what happens in the darkest of places. And sometimes as communities of faith, prayer is wrestling with the grief and the pain of unanswered prayer and the pain of unfulfilled desires because hope doesn't come to us after the storm. It's born right in the middle of it because Jesus doesn't position himself in distance from our pain, but he stands with us right in the middle of it. That's what we're journeying into this week, into Easter. N.T. Wright says this, Easter was when hope in person surprised the whole world by coming forward from the future into the present. That's what we celebrate, that we have a God who comes right into our world, into our pain, into our mess, and he presences himself right in the midst of it. His love always moves towards us. And sometimes prayer is simply knowing that he is with us. And so what would you say if you could be completely honest with God? And if you haven't been able to be, know that he welcomes your whole self. And in these seasons of our lives, and we, all of us will go through them at some point, we often need others to help us to do the praying. That prayer and hope most often come alive for me in the life of the community around me, knowing that I am not alone, that there are others will hold hope for me in the midst of my hopelessness. And I think prayer teaches us to watch and wait as communities of God's people for God to work in our lives and to work in the world around us. It's that paying attention that we talked about earlier in our everyday life. It's, it's paying attention together, waiting for him to come in the here and the now when all things will be made new and watching for glimpses of it, noticing where he's working and, and lamenting the spaces where he's not and asking him to come and transform those things. And you know when you wait together in prayer as a community of people, it's such a joy, isn't it, to share when those prayers are answered, when change does come, when God does break through and when God does move. I remember a season in our church where we felt really challenged by God um, to do something to sort of to really participate in that watching and waiting as a community and so we actually made a list we had this list on this uh, flip chart of the things that we wanted God to do and they ranged from a you know job some people being in long-term unemployment so for jobs it was some people and you know families who were sick and for healing 
and there were some for breakthrough and some relational issues. Um, and we prayed, we just consistently prayed our way through that list. And the joy of, you know, week by week being able to come in and, and, and literally tick those things off the list and be able, and you know, the truth is that some of those things stayed on that list for a long time. Some of them we had to keep praying for. We got to celebrate, but we had to wait together as well. We had to grieve sometimes for the things that weren't happening around us and the things that we were hoping for. And I remember the one thing on the list, uh, there's always that one that feels like, you know, the completely impossible ask. Um, and we were praying for um, a heart for a young girl, a five-year-old who needed a heart transplant. And we prayed for months. And for every week I would visit her in, in the hospital and my, the girls would come with me. And if I, you know, if I was being honest, every week she was just getting sicker and sicker. She more desperately and more desperately needed her, the heart. And I remember going one day into the hospital and, you know, she was not in good shape. Often we'd be there, you know, she'd be up and playing with the girls. And that day she had slept for most of our visit. She had hardly been able to get out of bed and she'd lost a lot of weight and she was very unwell. And uh, we left that after our visit and we got into the lift. And I just remember, you know, the weight of emotion just overcoming me. And, uh, and I just, I, I cried out in the lift. I said, God, don't you dare let that little girl die. And uh, we went, got in the car, we went home. And about four hours later, I got a text to say that there was a heart and that she was on her way to surgery. And, you know, some might call it a coincidence, but I'm going to choose to believe that our prayers played a part in that and and answering that and i don't understand it but the invitation of god invites us as his people to make room for the impossible and for the miraculous amongst us as well and sometimes we need each other to do that to hold those things to hold those impossible asks together and so i'm excited for you as a community because that's what you get to do in this prayer space that you're developing and we all know that you don't need a prayer room to pray just said it, you can notice God in your everyday life. But there's something really special about creating an intentional space, a place that says it matters. It matters when we pray. And a place that invites people into this beautiful invitation to encounter God. And it's, it's a space where we get to encounter the, the, the beautiful tapestry of prayer, that it is so many dimensions and dynamics. It's our words, it's the words of others, it's out loud and it's quiet. You know, it's confession, it's petition, it's intercession, it's thanksgiving. It's all of these things. It's asking and it's, li it's listening. It's moving and, you know, being loud and it's stillness and rest. But it's setting aside space for God to meet you in the ordinary moments of your lives to center your busy, fractured lives in him and to find his rest. And it's a place where you can bring your whole selves to him as the path to hope. And where you're going to get to watch and wait together as a community to hold the things before God for one another, for the community around you, for the world around you, knowing that it really, really matters when we pray. So I'm excited to hear what God's going to do through that space. And I hope that you receive the invitation that's in front of you. Um, Neil, I don't know how you guys normally finish up or what you want to do. I've got a little prayer here. It's not mine. Someone else wrote it. Can I, can I pray it for us? It's called A Prayer Against Efficiency. 
and, um, and, and maybe then we could just go into a song together. That'd be all right. So I just invite you to just close your eyes, pay attention to where you are today, and know that God welcomes that everything that's going on in your lives. Um, and here's a prayer. I think a little bit about handing over some of those things that sometimes get in the way of prayer. Oh God, beyond time, beyond the number line, the hourglass, beyond moons that wax and wane and waves that push and pull along our fragile ground, oh God, beyond days and weeks and months, God, uncontained by our 24 hours, free of our borders and yet still within them, God who is here. God of the meetings, the emails, the PTA, the neck ache, the child crying over homework, the car leaking oil, the head lice and the sheets to wash. Oh God of the groceries and the knife against the butcher block. God of the sun's path across a sky we cannot reach. God of midday. God of afternoons and the laughter of children. The clap of a ball on concrete. God of evening color and the muted spread of light in the clouds as the night leaks in. God in the hand I hold, God of the one I love. God beyond time, we come to you, pulled by the bullet points in our calendars, by the goals we've charted and the accomplishments we list to define our value. You see each image we upload to our pocket screens, altered, filtered, and pinned to virtual walls, you, God, touch our distortions. You soothe the edges of our efficiency. Only you can make us real. God, beyond the boxes we build to contain our lives, the hours we track and tally, God, outside of time, yet here. Come to us. Relieve our ragged breaths slow our steps relax the red lines that spike in our brains and tell us what is true show us how time rolls like calm water let us cup it quiet in our hands god teach us to pause in this moment to tuck ourselves into the curve of your slow arm that we may know the miracle of now the gift of this moment, you beside us and beyond us, welcoming us outside of all we measure, standing with us in it. May we see the goodness of our hours and days, sunrises, sunsets, and the darkness where our rest is found. Order us that we may stand within time holding your hand, that we may know we are enough not because of what we make of these hours, but because within these hours with you, we are being made.